Welcome to the Grace Harbor Church Sermon Podcast. Grace Harbor Church is located in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information, visit our website at ghokc.com. Psalms, Psalms 1. Uh, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the ways of sinners, nor sits in the seats of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he mediates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruits in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, and are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish." Let's pray. Father, your word is pure and it's sweeter than honey. And I just pray simply that you would help us to delight in it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Be seated. Okay, so I wanna say two things before we get into the text today. Um, And I'm gonna get kind of mushy, so I hope that's okay. All right, number one, I, I consider it such a privilege to be able to do this with my, my church family. This is so cool. Um, first time preaching to people who know me, and I know you, and I think that's wonderful. Um, the second thing I want to say is thank you. Um, part of the joy of being in the church consistently is that you guys have prayed for and encouraged and equipped me. Um, leading up to this day. So I owe it to you, and I just want to say thank you and kind of brag on you. I think it's a beautiful image of what the church is supposed to be. So thank you, guys. Today, we're going to be in Psalm 1, uh, and Psalm 1 kind of serves as the gateway into the entire book of Psalms. Um, The Psalms, also called the Psalter, if you want to be kind of fancy about it, is a songbook or the songbook of the entire Bible. Whether we are feeling victorious or defeated or celebratory or mournful, whether we're wanting to worship God or we feel like God is nowhere to be found, the Psalms, it covers the entire spectrum of the Christian experience, and we can go to it time and time again to look for guidance and how we're supposed to feel. So it's interesting that Psalm chapter 1 starts with a concrete black and white look at reality to get the whole book started. It divides the world into two types of people and two ways of living life. You have the righteous and you have the wicked. Okay, you have living for God and you have living against God. And what I want to do today, my aim is for us to just move through Psalm 1 together and see the enduring happiness that is to be had in a life lived for God. Okay? Let's do that. So let's go to verse one. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. In verse one, we start with the promise of blessedness. Blessed is the man. And the idea here is contentment, happiness, um, to be in a right relationship with God. It's not superficial, fleeting happiness, but deep and enduring joy, joy that cannot be stolen and stands the test of time. That's what we're talking about here 
when we say blessedness. And it's what I want us to think about when we talk about blessedness. It's, gonna, it's pretty much what this whole thing hinges on. And there are many today that believe that the God of the Bible is in the business of stifling our joy and our happiness and taking away from us. But we're going to see here in Psalm 1 that it's, in fact, the God of the Bible that where we find true, lasting happiness. Next, in verse 1, we learn what the blessed man does not do. He's not walking in the counsel of the wicked, standing in the way of sinners, or sitting in the seat of scoffers. And I want all of us to take notice of a progression that's happening here. Because it is not the case that any person starts out as a calloused scoffer, seated and rooted in their pride, and spending all their time among other mockers and scoffers. Now, this, this truth that we see in verse 1 is so intuitive to us. It's not the case that we see a master tradesman and assume that he has no experience or he's never been taught. We don't hear a professional musician and think, it's remarkable that he's only been practicing for a month. You know, No, we assume years of practice and uh, teaching has led to this mastery. And that's what we're seeing in the text here. It's a progression. We see that the way of the wicked begins with the counsel of the wicked. Nathan alluded to this earlier. We are so overrun with counsel and advice today, aren't we? I mean, think about all of the content that we take in on a daily basis that is trying to sway and persuade us of something, right? We, and we've become so accustomed to just the sheer volume that we take in of this. And when we heed wicked counsel and influence, we inevitably will lend ourselves to sinful practice. That's the progression. In biblical terms here, practice is standing in the way of sinners, The progression is to go from a learner to one who practices, and it is then from the tenured standing in the way of sinners that one becomes hardened, a scoffer, seated comfortably in a scoffing and mocking. The influenced has become the influencer, settled in their wickedness and evil. And I chose to use that word evil because I want to try and capture the weight that we're supposed to feel here in verse 1. We're supposed to shudder at the thought of anybody getting to this point. The scoffing that we see is not a general mockery, like we would see from a bully on a playground. The mockery is aimed at God and his people and God's purposes. That's what's going on here. And it should make us shudder to think of anyone we know getting to this point or ourselves getting to that point. Remember, what's at stake here is blessedness, deep and enduring joy. It's not to be found going this way. So if this is not what the blessed person does, then what does the blessed person do? Let's go to verse two. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. The phrase, the law of the Lord here, is used throughout the Psalms to describe the entire word of God the whole Bible, not just the law portion of the first five books of the Bible. In fact, law here, which is Torah in Hebrew, could be translated as instruction, the instruction of the Lord, not just commandments, not only commandments. Blessed is the man who delights in the law, the instruction, all of the words of God. And I want us to notice that deep and enduring joy, blessedness, does not come from outside of us but it comes from an experience of the heart, delight. Delight that is rooted in the word of God. 
See, the psalmist doesn't tell us to merely do the opposite of what wicked people do. He doesn't say, blessed is the man who walks in the counsel of the good, stands in the way of the upright, and sits in the seat of the righteous. I mean, that's great advice. We would tell our kids that, right? But that's not where the psalmist goes. He goes to the heart. He goes from external actions, walking, standing, and sitting, to internal affections, delight. He goes from branch to root. And I think the reason that that is is because what we delight in determines and directs much of what we do and who we are. So it follows that a heart that delights in the word also follows the word. This is why we see the one who is delighting in the law of the Lord meditating on his law day and night. And this word meditate here is not to empty the mind as we probably will think about. We probably think of gurus, right, chanting and trying to cleanse themselves. This is not what we're talking about here. This is an Eastern meditation, okay? The meditation we're talking about here is about filling up the mind. The late J.I. Packer, a Christian author and theologian, described biblical meditation in this way, okay? Meditation is the activity of calling to mind the various things that one knows about the works and ways and purposes of God. It is an activity of holy thought, consciously performed in the presence of God, under the eye of God, by the help of God, as a means of communion with God. This is what biblical meditation is about. Meditating on God's word is to fill up your mind with the words in the counsel of God and to dwell on it. And it is in this delighting in and dwelling on of the word of God that leads to blessedness, deep and enduring joy. Now, a little side note here. One tried and true method for meditation on God's word is memorization of God's word. The simple act of memorizing passages of the Bible causes us to meditate on them. You cannot help but notice new things about the scriptures that you have said to yourself over and over and over again, mulling them over. And once you finish the work of memorization, then you have that piece of God's word in your heart like a weapon in your arsenal to be called out at any point you need. So a little shameless plug for Bible memorization. We should be doing it. It will have profound effects on you. It will. Okay, so at this point in the psalm, we've got two types of people and two ways on either side of us, okay? And the psalmist provides us with an analogy to know what these types of people are like, okay? So let's go to verse three and four. He, the one who delights in the law of the Lord, is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, in all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. In downtown Oklahoma City, there's an American elm tree that has stood for over 100 years. And this tree has stood through the Great Depression, World War II, uh, the rapid growth of our downtown area, and then countless Oklahoma storms. In fact, on April 19th, 1995, This tree survived the full force of a 4,000-pound bomb detonated yards from its roots in one of the most heinous acts of violence in American history. We call this tree something. It's got a name. Does anybody know it? Call it out. 
survivor tree. It's important to our community. It's a symbol of perseverance and hope. And we look to it to draw inspiration from its truly remarkable history. And this is the image, a tree, that we are given to understand what the person who delights in the word of God is like. They're strong, they're healthy, fruit-bearing, they're nourished, they're rooted. In the same way that a tree draws its strength from a nearby stream, the person who delights in the word of God is planted by an unending, ever-nourishing stream. And it's from that nourishment that they are made stable and able to weather the seasons and not wither away and bear fruit. In all they do, they prosper. I mean, that, that's a promise. Now, I need to make a caveat here because when we hear the word prosper, it makes some of us squirm a little bit, and I think it should. We should think this through. Notice the text says not all that they do prospers. It says, and all that they do, they prosper. When we speak of prosperity here, we're not talking about the temporal comforts of this world. We're talking about the wealth and riches to be gained in drawing strength from a stream that never runs dry. We're not talking about the absence of winters in the life of the Christian, but the permanent, unfading presence of the Word of God in which we can draw strength from every winter and every season of life. It's a different type of prosperity than most of us think. And if we go to verse 4, we see an unbelievably sharp contrast. The wicked are like chaff, useless, rootless, dead. Chaff is the part of the stalk of grain that is torn off and thrown away. For those of us who didn't know, like me when I was studying for this text. Think uh, about dead leaves that pile up against your house in the fall and you bag them up and throw them away. It's the same principle. When we honestly consider this illustration, the decision is not hard to make, is it? None of us want to be chaff, rootless, tossed to and fro by the winds of life. All of us want roots. We want to be steady and sure. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. You thought this week was going to be a break from Matthew. You thought wrong, okay? Trojan horsing it in here. While you're going there, let me briefly just give us a little bit of context. As we've seen from the last few Sundays, Jesus is giving instructions to his disciples in his famous Sermon on the Mount. And here in Matthew 7, Jesus is actually wrapping up his sermon, Okay, and here's the words he uses to wrap up his instruction. Verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. You see, what is so remarkable here is that we can and we do affirm that the words of Psalm 1 and the words of Matthew 7 are completely true. 
In Psalm 1, we're told that those who delight in the word of God will be like a nourished, fruit-bearing tree that does not wither despite the changing seasons of life. And here in Matthew 7, Jesus is saying that everyone who hears his words and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock, which will not fall despite the storms of life. Does anyone see what's happening here? For a brief, glorious moment in history, God actually came down out of heaven and put on flesh and gave us his instruction with vocal cords, okay? John 1 tells us plainly, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And later we read that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word is Jesus. Hebrews tells us that he is the exact imprint and nature of God. And we cannot miss this. Delighting in the word of God leads to deep and enduring joy, not because our delighting is so deep or dutiful or diligent, but because the object of our delight is so great. And it is in Jesus that we encounter the very object of our delight, God in the flesh. And I'm not saying, and the psalm is not saying that we're not to delight in anything else but Jesus, but I am saying that we are to work to make him our primary delight. Trees have much fruit for us and others to enjoy, but they only have one soil. Houses have many rooms to grow up in and decorate, but they've only got one foundation. See, it's okay for us to enjoy and delight in the good things that God has created for us in our world, but it is only when we make the word of God our foundation, our soil, our primary delight, that we have access to joy that is as deep and as enduring as God is delightful, which is infinitely so. Okay, I wanna wrap up here in verses five and six of Psalm one. Y'all don't have to turn there, I'll read it out loud. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The wicked, those who turn away from God, will not only miss out on blessedness, the enduring joy that is to be found in delighting in God in the here and now, but they will not receive the eternal joy that is to be had in being in his presence forever. What we delight in now affects us forever. That's what we're seeing here in the text. It's an eternal weight that we should feel. The soil that we choose to sow in now will reap us a harvest into eternity. And here's truth. That harvest is going to be one of two things. It's gonna be union with God or separation from God. It's gonna be life or death. And here's a greater truth. Anyone can come to Jesus and delight in him. There is no entry fee. There is no barrier. There's no skill required to come to Jesus. In fact, he knows you and he loves you. And he wants you to experience abundant life. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. So those who delight in him not only have unshakable, enduring joy in the here and now, but also have the hope and peace of knowing he will protect and preserve us into eternity. Go to Jesus. Go find him through the pages of his word and meditate on his instruction. Make him your soil. Delight in him. 
Ultimately, you have everything to gain in going to him, and you will never, ever regret it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the simple truths of your word, and I thank you for the stability and the peace that is to be had in a life lived for you. Lord, I pray that everyone in this room would come to delight in you more than they do today. And I pray that you would meet us where we are and for us to have hope and trust in your love and your faithfulness to us, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.